Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. We are debuting a new segment on my show called Dr. Wendy's Relationship Urgent Care because some of you are in relationships where you need some urgent care and I need to explain. This week, I want to talk about a term that I coined a while back called junk food sex. You ever heard that? You know the analogy. So back in our anthropological past, and I'm an evolutionary psychologist before anything else, we had these scarce but vital nutrients, salt, sugar, fat. So we evolved to have an undying craving for salt, sugar, and fat. And you know what the fast food industry did with that craving. They put lots of salt, sugar, and fat in fast food, junk food. And it is addictive to us because we evolved to have this craving. What is junk food sex? Well, I want you to remember what your DNA is wired for. In our anthropological past, we roamed with a mostly related group of people, an extended family of maybe 30 to 40 people If the humans got to be more than 40, it became a burden to support. They often broke off into two groups. And we were constantly searching for food. That was our full-time job. During the course of our lifetime, we probably never laid eyes on more than 150 humans. So when a hunter walked into our tribe who did not share the genes of our brother or cousin, and we could tell that by the delicious pheromones, We sat up and took notice. We were very excited when somebody who had genetic diversity showed up. And we craved that person with something called a sex drive, right? 
We were lusted after people who did not smell like our brothers. <laughs> it is. It's all led by pheromones. Producer Kayla's laughing at me. It you is, are hilarious today. <laughs> I just remember growing up that my brother's sweaty gym socks just smelled terrible. And I, I just like the brothers. And then other people are like, they don't smell bad. I'm like, they do. Like my brother smells terrible. Um, anyway, when you're related to somebody, they smell worse than when they're genetically different. Just long, long story why. Okay, so what's happening today that's tricking our biology? We don't have processed food. I mean, we do have processed food selling us salt, sugar, and fat. It's not selling us sex. But we do have exposure to far more mates. If we only laid eyes on 150 humans in our entire lifespan years ago, now we have 150 humans a thumb swipe away on just one of many dating apps. We have thousands of humans on the street, in Starbucks, in crowded subways, in nightclubs. We are sitting up and taking notice at genetic diversity, at delicious pheromones all over the place, right? And so as a result, we are drawn towards junk food sex. And I will hear, usually men, say, oh, you know, but monogamy is not natural. Well, monogamy was like the only game we had in town. For a long time, right? I mean, that's what you're more wired for. Serial monogamy, yes, right? Because men wanted to stay around, figure out who their offspring were, help with them, keep them alive. That's, you know, uh, men do like to spread their seed a little more than women, but it's not unnatural, right? We do know that sex still is a much higher risk hobby for women than it is for men. Women are more likely to, uh, because of our unique biology, contract an STI in sex. Women are more likely to, because our bodies emit so much oxytocin, the bonding hormone during sex, women are more likely to fall in love during sex. And if it's a hookup with a loser, you end up falling in love with that person if you continue to have sex with them. Women are also far more likely to contract an 18-year case of parenthood. And let me tell you, that's a hard one to shake. There's no antibiotics for that. You got to keep that kid 18 years. So, yes, women have birth control. Yes, we have condoms to help protect from STIs. But it's still a higher risk hobby for women. So no matter what your gender, if you're out there thinking that more mates is better, you are like being a victim of the fast food industry. I mean, how many Big Macs are you going to eat before you get sick? How many new, fresh relationships are you going to have before you go, I feel so unfulfilled? Now, I will say in full disclosure that we do as human beings have the widest range of sexual behavior of any primate species. We also have the widest range of paternal investment of any primate species. Kayla, do you know how anthropologists figure out how much uh, promiscuity or monogamy exists in a species? Hmm. No. The size of the scrotum. Mm. Uh-huh. Relative to body weight. Zach's laughing over there on the board. Yes. And so at one end of the scale, you've got chimpanzees, giant gonads, relatively small body, highly promiscuous. If they meet a nursing mother, the first they will, thing they will do is practice infanticide, kill the baby to make her become fertile again. Oh, yeah. They are serious. Other end of the scale, you've got orangutans, tiny little chestnuts, big hulking body, very paternalistic. What do you think we have in the human species? Homo sapien? What do you think we got? 
We got we got scrotums too. We got lots of scrotums. We got all <laughs> kinds of sizes of scrotums. We have it all. It is not a misnomer to say he's listen to our language. We use it all the time. They say he's got big balls. That's a ballsy move. That's big balls. I've actually seen pickup trucks driving down the street with a set of scrotum hanging from the hitch. I'm like, who thinks that's cool? Who thinks that attracts women? Apparently it does, or they wouldn't do it. So, yes, we have the whole range. And women, if they're looking to reproduce, if they're looking for somebody to have paternal investment, so I mentioned we have the widest range of paternal investment. So in Homo sapien, we will have, at one end of the scale, a dude whose only investment in his offspring is a teaspoon of sperm. And at the other end of the scale, you know the guys with four baby mamas, right? Yeah, no, I know. They're like spreading the seed, hoping that they might leave one in a good mother who will do all the work for them. Then at the other end of the scale, we've got the baby-wearing, carpool-driving, softball-throwing, doting dad. And they have small scrotums. Usually, but, the but these are good guys. I'm trying uh-huh. to say, I'm trying to change the narrative. Oh. They may have mediums. You know what? They're, the high testosterone men, according to research, there's two things that can make them be monogamous. What? Are you listening, ladies? This is really important. There's science on this. Two things that can make a high testosterone man with large scrotum behave in a monogamous way. Number one religiosity. Apparently, if you think you'll burn in hell, uh, you're not going to do it, right? I mean, for some people believe that God is a big cop in the sky and they just got to follow the rules. Hey, whatever keeps them in line, Kayla, come on. No judgment, Dr. Let them have their God. (laughs) Let them have their fear of burning in hell. And the other is high intelligence. Because the higher a man's intelligence, the more he's going to go, oh, look at the consequences if I cheat. Look at the consequences on my bank account if I have a bunch of baby mamas, right? They think things through. The lower a man's intelligence, the more he succumbs to his animal instinct, shall we say. So when you're assessing whether a man would be a good mate, I mean, women love, I'm sorry, the large scrotum man. Why? They're higher in testosterone. And in our anthropological past, we needed those guys to hunt. We needed them to protect us. We don't need that anymore. You can get a ring camera. You can get a dog. You you don't need the muscly guy around. Ring camera, dog, fine. So I want women to understand that if you are surging ahead in your education and your career, you need to look for a guy who's going to be nurturing, caring, and loving to you and your kids. But I digress. Back to junk food sex. You can train the human body for anything, right? A sumo wrestler looks visually very different than a marathon runner because they've trained a little differently. But the only way to train for monogamy is to either be monogamous or obscene. You can't like there's this idea that I'll just have a whole bunch of partners and men and women. I'll just have junk food sex, junk food sex. And then when I'm ready to settle down, I will just make the decision And because I've made that decision, I'll be perfectly happy to settle down. No, your body is used to new bodies all the time. Just like before, if you were addicted to junk food, not junk food sex, junk food, you know how hard it is to give up some of those addictive foods, fast food, sodas, chips, French fries. 
That's what it's going to feel like when you enter a monogamous relationship because you want to reproduce, because you want someone investing in that relationship. So I'm just saying, train yourself for what you want. That's what you have to do. You have to train yourself. All right, when we come back, one of the most common questions that I get on social media is, how do you tell, Dr. Wendy, if somebody's lying? I can't tell if he or she is cheating. I can't tell if they really love me. How do I tell if they're lying? When we come back, I will tell you how to tell if people are lying. You are listening to The Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. We are live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. I don't know what happened. I was talking away and I couldn't hear myself. Probably how I plugged in my headset or something. Uh, We are live on TikTok. Welcome to my TikTok audience as well. We are obviously always live here on KFI AM 640. If you are watching online, I want to remind you to download the iHeartRadio app and you can listen to this radio show in full. Every Sunday we are live from 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific time. But in addition, and if you're listening on KFI, know this, that if you miss any part of the show, you can get it the next day on the iHeartRadio app. Actually, Kayla, when does it get put up? Like Probably tonight? like an hour after the show is done. An hour after if the that. show is done. Yeah. There you go. Because I know people like send me messages on social and they're like, hey, so uh, can you tell me how to find that question where you asked that person when they called in? And I'm like, just go to the iHeartRadio app. Just download it. It'll be there somewhere. I don't remember when I said it or what I said. Um, also, letting... Both my TikTok audience know and my KFI audience know that after this segment, I will be taking your calls live. If you have a relationship question, let me weigh in. The number is 1-800-520-1KFI. That's 1-800-520-1534. Okay. People ask me all the time how to tell if someone's lying. And there is some science on this. I mean... Listen, listen, uh, police officers, when they interrogate people, they look for clues that the person is lying and they prove it over and over again. So let me go through a few of these because, you know, maybe at some point you might say to this person you just started dating, are you seeing somebody else? And you got to watch them for what their answer is. You know what I used to say, though? I would always ask them on a date. I would say, oh, by the way, do, do you have a girlfriend? which they would laugh. They would find that funny because they're out on a date with me. Why would I ask them if they have a girlfriend? And then, or if they got defensive about it, that was really telling, right? But then I would follow it up after they laughed. I said, I'm sorry, you're right. Is there anybody out there who might think that she's your girlfriend? Isn't that a good question? That's really, really a good question. Because then they come up with a whole different, well, yeah, well, there's this girl I was sort of seeing and, you know, I did break up with her, but she's still, I, I mean, we, we see each other every other weekend. Uh, they end up telling them themselves. They tell them, them themselves and their situationship because they're blaming her that she thinks she's in a relationship. That's how you find it. Okay. So let's go to how to spot a liar. The easiest way to tell is through what I call vocal uncertainty. So ask me a question, Kayla. Um, when is the last time that you cried? Um, I, 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 I really don't ever cry. 
Didn't I sound uncertain? You did. That's vocal uncertainty. It's like you're searching for the words to put in your mouth. Searching for the words, being a little unsure with those words. Here's another trick. If you ask someone a question, Andrew, ask me a question, anything. What do you like to do on a Saturday afternoon? Uh, What do I like to do on a Saturday afternoon? Well, generally, I like to exercise. So did you hear that I repeated the question? Yeah, that's lying. Yeah. When people (laughs) repeat the question, it gives them time to think. And then they're thinking up their lie. And now I want to know what you do on a Saturday afternoon. (laughs) I usually exercise in the morning. and I'm taking a nap by Saturday afternoon is really what's happening. (laughs) It's the opposite. So, yeah, if they repeat the question, they're buying time for some reason. Now, it's not like you're asking them a math problem or to solve a physics problem where they need to actually compute it. No, you're asking them a basic question and they have to repeat it. Do you have a girlfriend? Do I have a girlfriend? I mean, <laughs> liar, liar. Okay, one of the best ways for people to lie is to, we call them the lies of omission, where they simply don't answer and they change the subject. And the good liars change the subject to something far more interesting. And they distract you. That's a good one. I know. Exactly. So um, changing the subject. Um, There's the obvious one. And if you don't know this, this is the truth. If you ask somebody a question and they get defensive and blame you for asking them such a personal question, they're lying. They're trying to hide something. Right. So if you say, um, are you in a relationship with somebody? And they go, really? Why would you not trust me? I mean, I don't understand what went on in your life that you can't trust people. And right, blame, turn it around, blame it on you, get defensive. They're in a relationship with someone else. Okay, bright red flag. Yeah, bright red flag. Um, now there are two ways with language to lie. You either lie by saying very little, or you lie by saying way too much. He doth protest too much, right? So ask me a question. I'll do the very little first. Okay. Um, are you are you a natural blonde? Is that a, I can't ask yes or no. It has to be open-ended, huh? No, no. We'll, we'll oh, try. Okay. All right. Are you a natural blonde? Kayla asked, am I a natural blonde? Yeah. Hey, to, later do you want to go to, right? So yeah, quick answer, lie, move over. Okay. Mm. Now here's the other one. Am I a natural blonde? Well, here's the thing. I was a blonde kid for a really long time. And so part of it went a little bit gray, but mostly I am still blonde because, you know, you see, I barely color my hair, blah, 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 blah. Right. Too much information is also a lie. Check, please. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, the obvious ones, sweating and breathing really slowly because there's stress in the body. Mm. Those are signs of lying. Okay, when we come back, I am taking your relationship calls live, live, live. Yes, you can pick up the phone and call the station. The number is 1-800-520-1KFI. That is 1-800-520-1534. Whatever your relationship question, change your name if you're embarrassed. There's no shame here. I am not judgmental, but I am going to help you through this difficult time. You are listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. We are live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay or should I go now? KFI AM 640, you have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the time of the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show where I am taking your calls. The number is 1-800-520-1KFI. That's 1-800-520-1534. Who we got first? 
Producer Kayla? We have Susan with a question. Okay. Hi, Susan. It's Dr. Wendy. Hello. Um, my question was just um, dealing with having an avoidant attachment um, because I feel like I have no motivation to go on dates or even message guys back. And I feel like I'd rather be alone than be anxious about a guy. So I was just wondering if you had any advice about that. Oh, it's fascinating. First of all, thank you for understanding attachment style and asking a question about avoidant attachment. Susan, can I ask you this? You say you'd rather be alone than be anxious about a guy. That's not an avoidant attachment style. (laughs) That's an anxious attachment style. I feel like I'm avoiding being in an anxious attachment. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know if that... Yep. No, exactly. So here's... It, we would call it the anxious ambivalent attachment style where there, mm-hmm. there actually is an underlying longing for connection mm-hmm. and closeness, but the thought of them coming close brings terror. So it's the kind of the come yeah. forward, go away person. And mm-hmm. I've had stints of that myself. So I know exactly what it feels like. So here's the thing. The best way to deal with anxiety is to make sure that you have coping strategies for it. Coping strategies mm-hmm. might include meditation, exercise, social support, other people in your life, non-romantic people that you can call when you're feeling anxious, not the person you're dating, right? And they'll talk you off a ledge and go, it's okay. He's not leaving you. It's fine, right? So before you begin dating, I want you to learn a few coping strategies against anxiety. And there are even like silly, crazy tricks like taking a cold shower or even putting your face in a bowl of ice water (laughs) can literally like bring you back to reality and shock your system into everything's okay. Next, though, is teaching your brain that being loved is a good thing and that being loved is a secure, peaceful feeling. And in order Mm -hmm. to do that, I want you to practice thought stopping. So when you meet somebody and then you're wondering, are they going to call back me? Do they really like me? And you feel your brain start to ruminate with all those thoughts or you're counting how many words in his text or how many minutes or hours between the last text. I know what you do. All girls do this. Then I want you instead to replace it with a thought. And that thought might be, I am lovable. Or he loves me. Everything's going to be okay. I know he likes me. Everything's going to be fine. Because you can Mm -hmm. literally rewire your brain this way. You can do thought replacement. So I want you to try that. And the final thing is when you do meet somebody on an app, just tell them because part of a growing and emotional intimacy is from the very beginning saying, hey, I'm kind of nervous about this because Mm -hmm. I'm just learning how to have a healthy relationship. So uh, and and also telling people from the get go what you're looking for. I mean, so that way, you you know, don't have sex with somebody unless you have the conversation about sexual exclusivity first. You, you, You don't have to say like, Hey, let's be boyfriend and girlfriend. Let's post it on Instagram. But you can say, hey, while we're getting to know each other, uh, can we just focus on each other? I'd like to know that you're only having sex with me. And learning how to have these conversations early on and setting boundaries relieves a lot of your anxiety because you leave that place of unknowing at the beginning. Susan, thank you so much. I really appreciate you calling with that question. Okay, producer Kayla, who do we have next? We have Lee with the question. Lee. Hi, Lee. It's Dr. Wendy. Oh, now they're telling me we're out of time. Lee, hang on, hang on, hang on. We have to go to break, but when we come back, I'm going to take your call right away. You are listening to the Dr. Wendy Wells Show on KFI AM640. If you'd like to call in, the number is 1-800-520-1-KFI.
WFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you, and I am taking your calls. If you have a question about your relationship, give me a call. The number is 1-800-520-1KFI. That's 1-800-520-1534. Okay, Producer Kayla, who do we have? We have Lee with a question. Great. Hello, Lee. Thank you so much for holding. It's Dr. Wendy. Hi, Dr. Wendy. I have a question. Um... I would like to know what I'm about to explain to you if it's a midlife midlife crisis. I came out of a seven-year relationship. My partner abruptly broke up with me out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. A relationship was very healthy that I know of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to know with his actions that happened so quickly, um, the breakup, would that be like a midlife crisis after breaking up saying that, he, feel, he feels like he's too codependent and he wants to have like a single life and he needs to experience being single. So how old are you that you're thinking this is midlife, first of all? So I'm 25 and he's 31. <laughs> you're nowhere near midlife, by the way. <laughs> average, okay. Average human li- quarter life. A quarter life, quarter right. Life. Quarter life crisis. <laughs> midlife crisis. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, <laughs> so, I meant a quarter life crisis. So, Lee, by the way, did you know my first name is actually Wendy Lee? All one word? Yeah. Anyway. No. So we share a name. Uh, So uh, I want to say this. You know, I teach developmental psychology. And midlife crisis, quarter-life crisis, whatever, is not a diagnosis. It's not a stage of development. What we do know is that around different times of life, like around the 40s, there is a preponderance of stressors that show up aging parents, heavy mortgages, career pressure, raising small children, uh, maybe, you know, health things that show up or losing a job or divorce and all those things, they cluster. And people say, well, I'm having a midlife crisis. No, you're just bearing the weight of a whole bunch of stuff together. There's no such thing for sure as a quarter life crisis. But what I will tell you this is that what you were presented with was an unexpected catastrophe, right? Because our relationships actually become part of our identity. And I don't just mean our social identity, going out as a couple. I mean our self-identity. When people are together that long and as close as you guys were, you finish each other's sentences. You uh, mine each other's brains. So it's like you're functioning with half a brain right now as you're getting your footing, right? But the best news is that we as humans have such a degree of neuroplasticity that it is often during times of crisis or stress where a whole lot of blooming goes on of neurotransmitters. So you're busy growing another part of yourself. But part of growing that part of yourself means grieving the lost part. And I don't think we teach young people enough about grieving. And, you know, sometimes you could create rituals or ceremonies, light a candle, not for him, but for the end of you as his girlfriend, right? Journal, right? The reason why journaling helps so much when people are in crisis is because as soon as you put the words on paper and read them back, you've now created a small gap between you and the words. You are now the viewer, the observer, instead of the person who's in it. And it can really help you recover. Also, a seven-year relationship, you're not going to bounce back overnight. It may take a year 
before you're on your feet. How long has it been, by the way? It's been six months. Yeah. And I wonder if it goes for both of us, like the same thing for him. Yeah. Even though I should. Even, even if someone was in a bad relationship and they, you know, broke up with the person and they knew that it was the right thing to do, they still have separation anxiety. You know, it's like they, it's like they lost a leg. I mean, that leg might've had gangrene needed to go, but they lost it. And so, yeah. And it's okay to know that he's probably suffering too. That doesn't mean you necessarily should get back together. He seems pretty clear about what he wants to explore with himself. And I, I really encourage you now that you've hit the six month mark to kind of get back on that horse and ride it, you know, go out on dates just for fun, just go on the apps, do it safely, meet maybe even with groups of friends and just go out and be reminded that you're attractive and you're fun and you deserve love. And you can also have other days where you mourn the loss of your relationship and other days where you go into a compartment of um, healing and feeling good. But it will take time. It will take another six months. But, um, I I, you know, I would definitely get back on that horse and ride it and start gently dating. You got this. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling. I so appreciate it. I see the phones all lit up there. Producer Kayla, who do we have next? We have Jackie with a question. Okay. Hi, Jackie. It's Dr. Wendy. How can I help you? Um, you talk about love, and there's obviously different kinds of love. Mm-hmm. Love between a daughter and a mother. Well, my mm-hmm. mom died, and I feel Aww. like if you love, then you get hurt. So don't love, and you won't get hurt. I know that's a bad attitude, but we were so close. We were both nurses, mm-hmm. and I took care of her before she died for a year, two years, and I just can't get over it. I'm in therapy. Um, How long ago did she pass? A year in November. It's been a year. Okay. So I would talk to your therapist about something called complicated grieving. Complicated grieving yeah. is a diagnosis where the period of grieving lasts longer than a year, and it's still causing you distress and discomfort in your life. Um, I, I really, you know, I don't want to intervene if you are in therapy and tell you what I think you should do. Um, but I hope that your therapist is considering medication to give you a little better bottom end as you get through this. Um, it, yeah. but the idea of staying away from love, you can't stay away from loving your mom. <laughs> you got that, you know, you, you were born in love with her and I think it's absolutely beautiful. And I think also you should take some time to cherish the fact that you were such a good daughter and maybe take some time to focus on loving yourself for the goodness and kindness that you gave to your mom. I'm so yeah. sorry that you're suffering, but definitely bring up complicated grieving to your therapist and, Thank you for calling, Jackie. I'm disappointed in people because I nobody comes around, nobody calls. My daughter's also a nurse, and she said, "Mom, don't don't expect anything, and then you won't be disappointed." But no, that's not the right attitude. The right attitude is you're not reaching out to people, Jackie. You got to be brave and strong and reach out to people. Start cooking. It's the holidays. Invite people over. I promise you, there are other people feeling less joy this year. And you can bring them joy because you're a caregiver. You know how to do this. And we call this Freud's sublimation, finding other people in pain and caring for them. Thank you so much for calling, Jackie. I'm sorry you're struggling. Ooh, 
my heart breaks. Okay, producer Kayla, do we have time for anyone else? Or are we going to break? We got okay, we got break. some on the line. If you want to call, the number is 1-800-520-1KFI. You are listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 